It's about five episodes into the new Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit. Maybe you've seen it already. When one of the characters, Harry, presses the main character, Beth, he says, What's your end game? She looks at him blankly, a little irritated, and she says, To win. They are pretty far into their game at this point, and it's clear she is going to win, which isn't news because Beth always wins, or at least she has up until that point. But Beth, see, she was moving up, playing grandmasters who have been playing at world championships since they were children. The games were just going to get harder. You play by your instinct, Harry tells her, and your instinct is so good. But at a certain point, as the stakes are rising, you need to have a plan. And you need to know where you're headed way before you get there. You need to know your endgame. Four years ago, when we were all gathered in the sanctuary, the Sunday after the 2016 presidential election, I would have to guess that many of us would have said that the results that came yesterday were our end game. Like Beth, we might have thought that the end game was simply to win. I mean, try to imagine yourself back four years ago, a lifetime ago. Imagine who you were, what you thought, what you imagined was true about our country then, where we were headed and how. For some of us, especially those of us in white bodies, especially those of us who claim a progressive faith, we believed that the election results then, they had to be an anomaly, a small blip in our history. If we kept working hard and showing up, we could keep playing by our instinct. We and our values and our ultimate vision for life as interdependent, we in time would keep winning. People are inherently good, ultimately kind. The moral arc of the universe will bend towards justice. But then over these last four years, as the stakes have risen, the stakes for our country, for our planet, for life itself, we have started to realize how flawed some of our instincts have been, how inadequate. And by instincts, I mean, first, many of the assumptions that we have held, stories we've been taught about America and our shared values. The last four years have made clear what many Black and Indigenous and people of color and other marginalized communities have always known, which is that there is no guarantee of justice or equality in this country. There never has been. We are a country built on foundations of racism, violence, xenophobia, scapegoating, misogyny, often kept hidden under polite words and soaring rhetoric of American exceptionalism. This is not, of course, the only truth about our country, but it sits alongside those others more commonly told truths. Trump did not invent or create any of what we have seen or experienced in these last four years. He just stopped being polite and instead exploited and encouraged what was already here. 
As Dr. Vincent Harding said, when it comes to creating a multiracial, multiethnic, multireligious, democratic society, America is still a developing nation. And it is only in facing this reality that we are beginners, that we don't actually know all we need to know. When we, it's only when we face this that we can make real and actual progress towards that more perfect union that magnifies and embraces rather than diminishes and disregards our differences. Equally, by inadequate instincts, I also mean the shortcomings of some of Unitarian Universalism's most basic theological assumptions. Ways we have operated over generations that simply could not hold up to what we have seen in each other and in ourselves over these last four years. The religious assumptions about humanity and evil, human agency and our capacity to make a difference, our capacity to welcome difference. I mean, it is telling that the most common and pressing question we Unitarian Universalist ministers have gotten over these last four years is hands down about our first principle. That promise and commitment that we make central to our faith, that every person as it has inherent worth and dignity, Questions that want us to defend, explain, or absolve you because you're not able to really get there. Mostly over these, these years, we have just said, you're not alone. Because these, our usual instincts and ways of playing the game are not enough. And really, they never have been. We need bigger and better theology and a shared understanding that our first principle is not about you and your character. It's actually about me, how I have committed to live the world I want to create, the game that I am committed to playing. And even more, it's about us and our faith that there is no such thing as individual liberation. Over this last week, like a lot of you, I'm sure I've had many flashbacks to four years ago. Like that week, we made a tentative plan for our service this Sunday early on. But this time we knew that no matter how much I thought it would be basically the same message and service, regardless of the election results this time, I knew that wasn't true. Because as they say, elections have consequences, both in the literal sense of policies enacted, but also in the cultural and emotional impact of the persons we call our leaders, especially for the most vulnerable among us, as Ashley's chalice lighting articulated so clearly and chillingly. Which is why when Saturday came and the results were announced, I looked over our order of service and prepared earlier in the week in those seemingly endless days of uncertainty and anxiety to make sure that we would greet you this morning in joy. Because that is where I imagine most of us are this morning. Especially as we celebrate the election of the first woman to hold national office, the first Black woman, the first Asian American woman, more than any other time in this whole pandemic. And this is saying something I wish we were in the sanctuary this morning. 
because I would love to feel this energy with you. This joy, this gratitude, and this relief. So much of Trump's personhood and policies have been painful, even traumatic, with real-life destructive consequences for immigrants, for the poor, for people of color. And so much of his leadership has run counter to the core values of Unitarian Universalism. And so it is not by our politics, but by our faith that many of us rejoice and breathe a little more deeply this morning. So let's just take a minute now. I want to invite you to really breathe in that joy and that release to feel it, to maybe even sigh it out. <sighs> Because we need joy. We need gratitude and we need hope. Each of these will be guides as we imagine and create our future. And they will be fuel for the days ahead. And this, this is important. Because we know, given how the stakes have risen, how our cultural and religious instincts have proven inadequate. We know that this moment, no matter how tempted we may be to say check and mate, is not and never has been our end game. This political victory, as with any political victory, as sweet as it may be, is not the equivalent to the ultimate moral victory that is the call of our faith which is why it is time that we move past our inadequate instincts and instead clarify where it is we are headed, what success means in an ultimate and in a religious and moral sense, even if this vision will take longer than our own lifetimes, and it will. We need to understand with our hearts and in our bodies as a community of faith, our endgame. Which doesn't mean, as Harry tells Beth, that we just need to have a plan. It means instead that we need to dig deeper and learn more. We need to understand all the moves that are possible and then the moves after that. We need to keep doing our work of looking back, looking inward, and understanding what has brought us here. Our place in it all. Our responsibility and our call. As Harry also tells Beth, part of knowing your endgame is knowing that the knowing the moves that are just yours, which is not about novelty, but knowing what works, not in theory or in generalities, but for you and for real, what it means for you to make your life an offering at the altar of love. And then just doing those things. Over and over and over for the whole of your life. Just that. It's going to take a long time to make sense of and to truly integrate all that we have experienced in these last four years. And to put it in context of the last four centuries the racism and the violence that is a part of our inheritance in this country. 
All we have seen and experienced, not just from this administration, but from our neighbors, our family members, and in ourselves, all the ways that we, we have othered others, refused to acknowledge our own shame and ignorance and prejudice. All of this must be more than just something we run from, more than the game we declare we never want to play again. It must instead become what motivates us to stay in the game to become our own grand master, not so that we personally win, but so that love, courageous love wins, to imagine as a sacred task and our power, the world that we want to create. Imagine, as our reading says, every detail of winning, the exact smell of summer streets in which no one has been shot, the muscles, you have never unclenched from worry, gone soft as newborn skin, the sparkling taste of food when we know that no one on earth is hungry. Imagine war is a scarcely credible rumor. Imagine the crimes of our age, the horrible normalcy it came to have is unimaginable to our heirs, the generations of the free. The last four years have revealed so much in our country and in ourselves. We have struggled, but also we have learned and we have gained so many new partners and friends. We have become more clear-eyed about the enemies that we face but also we have seen more close up what is possible when we show up for each other and for the most vulnerable, when we give our lives in service of a greater purpose and a more sustaining vision, when we surrender to the movement of love. This combination of heartbreak and beauty must now compel us to commit ourselves with the same fervor and urgency that we have brought to the game over the past four years. And even more to keep studying the ways of love, the moves that make love possible, and to keep offering ourselves to the vision and to the life where love, courageous love, wins. May it be so. Amen.